So what would you say are some other technical aspects or logical aspects that could be plugged into that? A better strategy or a better execution on a strategy. Both have like products going after it and, you know, marketing may be part of a strategy, but one company may have a better culture that then enables it to execute on the strategy very well and therefore ends up being more successful out in the marketplace than the other. One company may have better talent or better retention of talent. Mm -hmm. So many things. That's why we can fill up, you know, 30 minutes or so of discussion on this item because business is complex and there can be so many different reasons why one company, whether they're competitors or not, might be more successful than others. And welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Levy. And I'm Andy McDowell, your other co-host. Which, Andy, every week, it's always good to see you. Good to see you on this rainy Tuesday in Atlanta. Yes, hopefully you're having better weather elsewhere. Yep. But, you know, we've got one of my favorite topics today that we'll be discussing is what makes some entrepreneurs successful and some not so much or not as successful. Right. Which, this is a big topic that Again, I love talking about because there's there's some obvious factors that go into this and there's n- some underlying or not so obvious factors that we often miss that can that can go into this as well. Yeah, there's items that come right to mind for people as soon as you make that statement and there are others that are a little less obvious. Right. You know, not right there in your face, so to speak, uh, that we can talk about. Right, because, I mean, you can... The the weird part about this, the interesting part about this is you can take two individuals of, you know, the same education, same skill set, same build, same mm-hmm. gender, same every stat, if you will, and one can be ultra successful and one can see mediocre results. But what is the differentiator between those two? Right. They both have the same tools. 
right? They right. both have the same skill sets, but what differentiates them? So what's your, what's your first thought or first item? If you were to generate a list of possible reasons, I mean, what would be your first? We'll start off with the obvious. I mean, the first one is typically work ethic, right? It's the same conversation mm-hmm. of what separates a, you know, a, a decent high school, maybe college athlete, right? A D2 athlete from a division one athlete. And some might say, well, it's talent. Mm-hmm. Not always true. No. Right. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. Work right. ethic is, is what it comes down to. So one of the greatest business leaders in North American business really referenced a lot in all kind of leadership, but Art Williams, who founded A.O. Williams, he, he talks on this and he says, what's the difference between somebody that's, you know, doing okay and somebody that's also successful. It's that the ultra successful person does what they're supposed to do in just a little bit more. It's not just, okay, okay, I, you know, having the checklist. Okay. I, I did my, I did my task for today and that's almost, you know, a bricklayer mindset or an employee mindset. That's where an entrepreneur can't be. Yeah. So there's some people with a lot of talent just come in, you know, take a football team, five-star recruit comes in. I've got the the natural talent and therefore I'm just going to totally rely on that talent. Right. And expect great results out of it and not really feel like I have to put a lot of work into it. And usually they've come to realize after doing that for a year or so, it's like, oh, no, I got to right. I gotta do the work to leverage the talent especially to get when, the great results. Especially when they're playing at a higher level, because at the high school level, they were a phenom and they could just, mm-hmm. you know, half butt effort at practice and show up to a game and destroy the competition. Then they're playing against other five-star recruits. They go, oh. Exactly. We got competition with just as much talent as you do. Right. I've actually talked about this a couple of times with people about guys in the NFL, right? The thing is, they're all the best of the best. It's just you get ones that work harder than the others. Right? Mm-hmm. So the one of the most obvious, I think, would be work ethic. Just having an unreal work ethic or having a mediocre work ethic, ethic is the start. So. Yeah, and I think uh, we touched – on on the edge, so to speak, of what would be my top one, which would be mindset. Take the take the same things you said, same background, same educational, whatever type things. But as we discussed before we did the recording, you might have one entrepreneur that has the, has the big goal that they're trying to reach with their business, mm-hmm. and they have a they have a good year and they had some success under it, but they haven't reached that goal yet. Mm-hmm. So there's this this mindset and feeling of it's not enough because I haven't reached my goal yet. Mm -hmm. And so there might be an undertone of frustration, fear, difficulty, whatever it might be, because they have, might have expectations that are not appropriate. You know, depends on the industry they're in, what, what they brought to the table to start the business and so forth. But it can lead to making some poor choices, some more Hail Mary type choices to try and get mm-hmm. to that goal as quickly as possible versus the, the entrepreneur that probably looks backwards more than they look forward is grateful for the success that they've had to this point. They know they're on their journey and they know they've, they've got the big goal they're trying to reach, but having a sense of gratitude and happiness and joy for what they've 
accomplished on their own or with their team, depending on the business, is going to help propel them forward and sort of duplicate the mentality and the processes that they've used so far for their success. Right. And I think studies have shown that that's a mindset and a strategy that ends up having more success down the road and in the long term than somebody that's always looking forward and it's not enough yet because I haven't reached my goal. Right. And talk about that, having an attitude of gratitude, right? I know it sounds corny. It sounds cheesy. I, anytime I talk on leadership or anything like that, I use that phraseology. One, it sticks, right? Attitude mm -hmm. of gratitude. But it's so true if we can look at what we have currently, even though we might not be where we want to be, right? We might not be who we said we have our B statement is, right? right. Referencing that. Right. It's a process to get there, but looking back at where we started and how far we've come and being grateful for that is going to propel us forward, right? It puts positivity, positive fuel in our engine to keep mm -hmm. us moving forward. And positive energy right. for you and your team. Right. Which leads me to another somewhat obvious factor that goes into this, which ties into mindset as well, but is just overall attitude, right? Having a positive attitude 100% of the time. Now, is that realistic? As human beings, probably not, right? Well, we all have our bad days, right? Right. Yeah. But it's being able to control that, right? If you have the entrepreneur that their emotional intelligence is a roller coaster, mm -hmm. right? They can't their lows are super low, their highs are super high, and there's nothing in the middle, right? Here's the thing. When those lows are super low, it's really, really hard to climb out of that hole mentally, right? But on the other end of the spectrum, when their highs are super high, when they do have a success, and then they lose a little bit of momentum or something, you know, there's a wrench thrown into something, it's the end of the world and it's a very steep downhill turn to the crash, right? Whereas maintaining a positive attitude and a positive outlook actually takes discipline and emotional maturity and intelligence. And the way I put it is keeping everything chest level, right? Mm -hmm. Being excited, but not letting it get out of control to where you're in like this euphoric state about a, a little win where you've got to keep going. Right. Yeah, when you and you have a tendency to make all your decisions based off of emotion mm -hmm. when you get to that euphoric kind of state. Right. You know, and there's not any logic or checks and balances, if you will, into your decision. Right. Unless you can find, like you said, find a little bit more balance in that so that you're listening to both sides, the heart and the logical brain right. kind well, of piece and making decisions. But that positive attitude, right? You've got to be excited to some extent as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? Especially if you're in a field where you're having to duplicate your leadership through others, right? Right. If you're building a business, if you're not a solopreneur, which most entrepreneurs have a goal to get a business built to where they're not working in their business, just on their business, mm -hmm. right? In order to do that, you have to be a positive leader. Nobody wants to follow somebody that's negative and pissed off all the time. Right. That that creates a toxic culture. We've talked about culture before that, mm -hmm. you know, culture eats planning for lunch, right? Strategy. Strategy. Yeah. Interchange words. <laughs> it's okay. No, but but it's it's the positive culture because that's also gonna feed down, which is just gonna multiply 
the the positive growth and the fuel in that engine, if you will, to drive the the project forward or to drive the business forward. What about some sort of more technical or logical things? Some things that we've we've talked about in previous episodes, like I think we did this or mentioned this uh, a couple episodes ago. If you can find a need in the world that's needed by a lot of people and you're able to address that with a quality product or service, you can be extremely successful. So one entrepreneur might be more successful than another one who, who is successful, but they've found a need in the world that's needed by more people. Mm-hmm. And therefore they are more, if you're, Measurement of success is by dollars or euros, whatever area of the world that you're in. Currency. They just happen to f- happen to address a need that ha- that is bigger in the world and brought a quality product or service that most people agree is going to add value to their life, and therefore you're making more money and more su- more success if that's what your measurement is. And it may be. I mean, you take two entrepreneurs that are trying to fill the same need, mm-hmm. right? And heck, you might have two entrepreneurs that have the same product, right? But there's the other pieces that go into it. But one, we've talked about business planning, business strategy, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Part of those processes is research and development, product development, product management, right? Those processes may be really, really good or mediocre. That's going to determine that success as well because you might both be able to fill the need, but business 101 is find a need and fill it. But then on the client side, right, or the customer side, it's how well are you filling that need? Not just filling Mm -hmm. the need, right, but how effective is your product or service? Right. A quality difference or... it solves the problem in a better way or or in a bigger, more robust way than your competition. You might do um, better at marketing it, getting the word out. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the whole Apple-Microsoft dynamic back in the 80s. Right. Microsoft was a better marketing company. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people would put forth an argument that the Apple had a better product but Microsoft was a bigger marketing machine, and that's why it made it more of a penetration volume-wise in the market than Apple. I'll let the audience decide whether that's true or not. I'm not here to say what that's true or not. I'm just saying that's a particular argument that was made many years ago that Apple had a better product, but Microsoft did a better job marketing. You know, and that might be a possibility in some other arena. Right. So what would you say are some other technical aspects or logical aspects that could be plugged into that? A better strategy or a better execution on a strategy. Both have like products going after it and, you know, marketing may be part of a strategy, but one company may have a better culture that then enables it to execute on the strategy very well and therefore ends up being more successful out in the marketplace than the other. One company may have better talent or better retention of talent. Mm -hmm. 
so many things. That's why we can fill up, you know, 30 minutes right. or so of discussion on this item because business is complex and there can be so many different reasons why one company, whether they're competitors or not, right. might be more successful than others. Now, there's another point, kind of tying back to mindset a little bit, but it's an intangible. But as an entrepreneur, you are the leader of the pack, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. And we were we were talking about this before we started recording, but, you know, belief level, right? If two people come from the same track, right? Mm-hmm. Same degrees, like we were talking about, same boxes checked. Belief level is going to make a huge difference in continuing to help them push through those ups and downs, right? Belief and confidence. Right. Mm -hmm. So one entrepreneur, one business owner might, you know, hit hard times and keep the foot on the gas, right? Pedal to the metal, foot on the gas. We're still moving forward. We're still moving forward. We can see the promised land, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But then the other entrepreneur, right, starts to lose momentum, starts to hit some hard times, has a little bit of retention issues or a product issue, and then they start to be a two-footed driver, right? What I mean by Mm -hmm. that is one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and if you've ever been behind somebody that drives with two feet, you know how frustrating it is. So that that then slows them down, and the entrepreneur that says, you know what, we're going for it, we we know this is going to happen. I inherently know in my heart, in my mind, that we're going to achieve our goals. And they speak it, they believe it, they keep moving while the other is slowing down. Well, I think that's what it leads into my next thought, which is risk management. Mm-hmm. You may have strong beliefs, you may have confidence, but there's something to be said to paying attention you know, we go go over to the SWOT analysis and strategy and those items and bullet items you put in the threat box. And you know they're potent they they're definitely gonna be threats or or possible threats to your business or the growth of your business. And so therefore you know, inherently in any business you've got risk. So are you right. pay attention to those things on a regular basis? Do you have a strategy to address the risk? You know, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, if certain things show up in your business. Right. Can make a huge difference in when you're measuring success between one entrepreneur and another to have that robust risk management process to understand how am I going to address it? I know Mm -hmm. of it. I'm going to have an initial strategy to address it, but but then I'm also monitoring it and as assumptions, uh, fall false or or true, I've got plans that enable me to address the risk, Mm -hmm. manage it, and go down a slightly different path to address it, to to minimize the impact of that risk on the business. A good example of that for my personal career paths would be when I was actually in restaurant management. So one of the biggest risks to restaurant management is staffing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just look at today. Oh my I mean, goodness. <laughs> but go and, ahead. And this was, God, yeah, this was 2017, I think. Yeah. Right. This was a while well before ago. the word COVID even came up. Mm-hmm. Right. But 
you know, one of the things we knew as management that we're going to face a decent amount of turnover. We're going to have retention issues. It's you can do your best to train your people, right? Pour into people, put your time into them. But in that industry, it's just known, especially not in five-star dining, right? That people quit. Mm -hmm. People walk out. You know, they, I'm just going to go find another job, whatever people. Frustrated with management or they're doing this job while they're getting more education and they right. finished the education and now they have a bigger opportunity somewhere else. Right. And so one of the things with that, our risk management strategy for that was, well, since we can't really control the outgoing as much as we'd like to, mm -hmm. you can control the incoming, right? So constantly had you know, a couple people that we hired and trained and rotated into shifts and things like that to manage not getting short staffed, not having to run overtime, not having to go above budget. And so that became a key metric or key metrics that you were paying attention to to mitigate the right. risk, right? So for example, in, in that area, what, what made one store manager more successful than the other? How did they manage that risk? Mm -hmm. Did they properly train their people? Did they have a good culture in their store? Yeah, and for, and for for myself of my business that I built within Boeing, mm -hmm. the biggest thing I had to pay attention to because we were a project-based business, being in the consulting world, was I had, a, I had a certain number of employees with skill sets and a multitude of projects. And so we had to look how each of the projects lined up with each other from a staffing need and I would sometimes have spikes, short-term spikes, you know, a couple of weeks I've got a dilemma, in which case am I bringing an independent contractor to just fill the need for the two weeks? Or is it now sustained? Has overall business grown big enough that it's become an issue long-term? Well, now I can minimize the risk of having employees sitting around twiddling their thumbs and nothing to do by actually hiring somebody because I have enough projects in the timeline over the next year, 18 months mm -hmm. that I can go hire a person to come in, be part of the team and, and fill the needs on the projects without mm. and getting the best utilization of my talent and time and the money I'm spending in the business. And so that was something I was constantly monitoring because it was a huge risk to the profitability of the business. So each, each business is different, but I think that's what we're speaking to is, do you have a dashboard of metrics that you're monitoring that are going to lead you or help you with that risk management to the business? Right. And in doing so, you might be a more successful entrepreneur than your competitor or somebody else that's a business owner. Right. Because you, you have a robust risk management process. And to the point of that dashboard, I see so many people jump into business and they're they're doing work, Right. They're, they're taking the steps they need to doing the physical work to build that business, to source clients or produce product and whatnot. But having that dashboard, I see so many newer entrepreneurs, especially that don't know their metrics. Mm -hmm. right? They don't track anything. Right? Right. It's just product out, money in. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we've talked in previous episodes how important that is for like the first six months or something of being in business. 
Right. Because you might have to make quick decisions based off of new right. information you got But also, in. how important is it for scaling when you're trying to get bigger? Yes. Right? You've got to be able... I mean, if you're expanding territories and you're trying to duplicate one territory into another and teach somebody else to run that territory, because that's what an entrepreneur should do is a true leader builds leaders, mm-hmm. right? Is... Do you have a number set to say, okay, here's what you can expect. Here's here's your target closing ratio. Here's your target number of marketing calls or whatever you need to do in order to be successful. Because mm-hmm. people want to know what what's the what's the bar I have to jump to. Right. And like I said before, what's my risk management tracks? I might have risks that show up within the first month or two months or three months, whether it be staffing issues or cash flow or capital dollars or whatever right. it might be. And I really need to be diligent, maybe even on a daily basis, if not weekly b- b- basis to pay attention to this stuff and be able to be flexible to go to a plan B or C right. fairly quickly. Well, it goes back to that statement. It's just not, not just about work ethic. It's, it's, it's overarching theme across everything we've talked about is the successful entrepreneur that does everything they're supposed to do that they need to do, even mm-hmm. better put, mm-hmm. and a little bit more. They become obsessive about it, right? Especially in the first six months to a year in business. And a lot of businesses are a three to five year game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in your, I mean, Andy, in your business, right? How many business owners do you coach in the first year of business and they're just frustrated as all heck, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I have... This concept I talk a lot about with my clients called the flywheel. Yeah. That it takes a number of years to get momentum on that flywheel with the business. And don't don't get overly frustrated in the first year or two because your business is built on momentum. And it may take a little bit of time to get that momentum going in your business. Well, what happens if you let up force right on a flywheel? Mm-hmm. It, it loses the momentum that you've already exactly. built. You have to start back where you were. Exactly. Right. So, you know, doing what you're supposed to do day in and day out and just a little bit more, right? Tracking your metrics, right? Making sure that you have the proper systems in place and that if they're not working as efficiently as possible, like you said, being able to go to plan B, plan C, plan Z, Mm -hmm. right? And another favorite phrase phrase of mine is fail often and fail quickly, Mm -hmm. right? And we'll, don't 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 bet on the long bomb and wait twelve months, eighteen months to for a strategy to play out, and then realize it doesn't work. And you've had all that time and money investment. Try and break it up into little pieces that's going to prove or invalidate assumptions or whatever in your business. And and if it fails, it fails. But you did it quickly and can adjust your strategy very quickly, and, and therefore you're going to do a better job of leveraging your finances and team and people and strengths and so forth. Right. And in that way. I love that that quote. And I think it was Will Smith that added just a little bit to it. He said, fail forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause here's the thing, every entrepreneur the, the another big difference between a very successful entrepreneur and somebody that's not as successful is the successful entrepreneur has failed more times than the unsuccessful entrepreneur he's even tried. Right. Right. They not only fail, but they learned a lesson and adjusted. Right. 
again, have failed with a growth mindset, going back to the mindset piece, mm-hmm. right? Because if you fail with a victim mindset, it's just, woe is me, we don't learn any lessons. Or even a fixed mindset. Right. Where fixed mindset is that player, we talked about the football player that's just going on talent. Right. It's all sort of set in stone. and Right. I don't have anything to learn because I'm already bringing it to the table. Right. And so, and I've always said, if you're not growing, you're dying. So almost in the in the same arena but the last piece I'd love I'd, I'd like to bring up here is how much intention is brought to the table okay right? Say this more. is this is big because our whole my whole spiel this morning when he asked me how I was <laughs> right yeah Andy got about a 30 minute rant from Zach this morning so no it wasn't a rant it was beautiful <laughs> loved every minute of it but it go ahead be beautiful rants <laughs> but the intentionality, right? I mean, we might have, you can give somebody the best systems. You can give somebody the best branding, the best marketing, mm-hmm. the best product, right? But it all comes down to, are we being intentional with everything that we have in our tool belt? Mm-hmm. Are we being intentional with every moment that we're supposed to be working, mm-hmm. right? Because again, moving with intention, are, do we have the tools in a rubber dinghy or do we have it on a boat with a motor on the back of it going towards our destination? Yep. Right? Yep. We'll keep using that analogy over and over and over. I've used that in so many one. different contexts since yeah. we talked about that. You yep. have no idea. I used it this morning and somebody was like, that's that's a genius analogy. I was like, I, we know. That's why I love what I do. <laughs> I rub off on people and they just, that's such a great idea. I'll keep using it. And I'm like, plagiarize way. Right. So, but, but yeah, it's, it, it's take, it's having all the systems in place, having the right belief, having the right mindset, but then using that all with intention to put a nice bow on this Mm -hmm. is, is moving every single day with absolute discipline and intention consistently to get that flywheel moving. And eventually that flywheel is moving without effort and you're going, wow, look at what I've done. And then, yep. You are the successful entrepreneur, but then... Well, as we've often said, intention is the fuel in that motorboat. Right. Right? That's the fuel. These are all great ideas. Yeah. There's a lot unpacked in 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. (laughs) So, but y'all, we hope you, you can take this episode and really apply it to not just your business, but like we say all the time, the overarching areas of life, Mm because these business principles are life principles. Right. Foundation of generate your value, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> so we hope that this this hits you in a certain way this morning and that you can take it and apply it and and keep moving forward and that you'll help us also share this value as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a topic that not everybody thinks about. You know, particularly if you're so busy in your business and not working on your business and thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we've thrown a little seeds into your mind to think about in your own business and how successful am I really? And it's more, more than just numbers on a spreadsheet. It's these other concepts that we addressed in today's episode. So we, we greatly appreciate you tuning in today on the Generate Your Value podcast. As always, like we say, right, right Zach? Follow us by hitting that what button? It's spelled with an S. It says subscribe. Subscribe. (laughs) 
tell your friends so they can tell their friends and, and help us to uh, generate value in more people's lives. And with that being said, we say goodbye from rainy Atlanta on this particular Tuesday. Have a great week. Have a great day. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Mm -hmm.